The words of a song have been playing over and over and over in my mind this week. It's a song that we, uh, I think, heard a couple of times. They might have played it on a boat. I don't remember. But it's, I walked today where Jesus walked. In days of long ago, I wandered down each path he knew with reverent step and slow. Those little lanes, they have not changed. A sweet peace fills the air. I walked today where Jesus walked and felt his presence there. I want to thank everybody who prayed for us on our trip. Uh, we had, uh, as far as I know, no serious injuries or sickness or anything. Beth, did Beth ever show up here this morning? Beth, are you here? Beth, Beth. Uh, Beth got sick uh, yesterday. And uh, I actually got a note from uh, one of the other people who was on this trip that said that several people had gotten sick on the plane. So we made it all the way through Israel, all the way through all of their water and all that kind of stuff. People were drinking out of drinking fountains and stuff. And we're going, oh, you guys are crazy. I can't believe you're doing this. Nobody got sick until we got on the plane to come home. And several people did, and Beth seems to have been one of them. But it was, for the most part, a very safe and good and healthy trip. And I believe that I'll be going back there in my mind's eye for a long time. In 11 days, we saw Joppa, where Peter first saw his vision of the sheet coming down from heaven that opened the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. And from there, we went to Caesarea Maritime, or Caesarea by the Sea, which is where Peter then went and spoke with Cornelius. And led the first Gentile to the Lord. So for those of us who were Gentiles, those were special places in Israel. We saw Caesarea Philippi and Mount Carmel. We looked at the statue of Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel. And from the top of Mount Carmel, we could view the whole valley of Megiddo below us, where the the battle of Armageddon, we believe, will be fought. We sailed on the Sea of Galilee. Some people danced the Hava Nagila on the Sea of Galilee. I didn't. Some people did. We stood in the synagogues of Capernaum where Jesus taught so often. We visited on the Mount of uh, Beatitudes and and looked into Syria and Lebanon from atop the Golan Heights. I had the wonderful privilege to baptize our group in the Jordan River. That was definitely a highlight of of the time. We visited Beth Shan, or Beit Shan, as they call it, which is a city that was destroyed in an earthquake and has now been completely dug up, and it's an archaeological wonder. You can stand and look at it uh, from the top of a big mountain, and it's wonderful. It's the place where Jonathan and Saul's bodies were hung after they were killed in battle, and uh, we saw that. Uh, we, we went to Bethany, where Lazarus was raised from the dead. We walked in Bethlehem, and in Jerusalem, we climbed Masada. We viewed the Herodian from afar. I'd never seen that before. That was fascinating. I'd like to go back and actually get on that. The Herodian is a massive mountain. just looks like a mountain until you realize that it really was a palace. It was Herod's palace. That guy was astonishing, the things he built. And now it's, just, it's the biggest mountain anywhere that you can see. And it was a palace, man-made structure. We went to Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. We went to En Gedi, where David cut the corner off Saul's robe. We went to Hebron, the cave of Machpelah, where Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Leah and, and uh, Rebekah are buried. We shopped in the old city of Jerusalem, bargaining with the Arabs for souvenirs. And we wept at the foot of Golgotha. And rejoiced at the garden tomb. Where Jesus rose. Israel is a life-changing place. 
Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, as soon as I get a few more pictures, I'm, I'm still waiting on some pictures, but Lord willing, we're going to do a presentation and share with you some of these things because we would like to go back maybe in another couple of years. And I want to give everybody plenty of notice. This one came up fast, so start saving your money because I'd like to take a whole group from here back in a couple of years. And once you see what is there, I think you'll start saving your money. But this morning I want to just share a couple of thoughts that come to my mind. Uh, clearly, after an experience like this, I could preach for ten days. I'm not going to do that this morning, I promise. I'm just going to look at three different thoughts that come to my mind this morning. And they came to me as I was reading Second Thessalonians. So let's, let's, let's look there at the first five verses of Second Thessalonians. I'll just share three quick thoughts, some stories from my trip, and we'll be done. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Three thoughts that come out of that and more come out of what I've been thinking about based on our trip. Thought number one, we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. That's verses, the first two verses. Is it not? Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Everywhere you go in Israel, people are praying. Everywhere you go, they are praying. Islamic calls to prayer ring throughout the land. Multiple times as we were trying to have devotions at various sites, the sounds of the muezzins. Uh, blasting across their loudspeakers would come and uh, drown out that which we were trying to do. While we were in Bethlehem and some of our wives were spending exorbitant amounts of money in the souvenir store, I was sitting on the bus, and as I was sitting on the bus, I watched three young Islamic men get off off of a seat over here. I hadn't heard the call to prayer, but they got up off the seat, put their little prayer rugs down in the street, knelt down and prayed over and over and over. On the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem, group after group after group comes passing by, some of them carrying crosses, some of them singing in multiple languages, but nearly all of them praying every place you go. We stood at the foot of the western wall of the Temple Mount, which people in America tend to call the Wailing Wall. They don't call it that. They call it the Western Wall because that's what it is. Uh, We stood there at the foot of that and watched many, many Jewish people pray. In between the stones of that wall, there are cracks and they place They stuff little pieces of paper with prayer requests on them in there. And there's just hundreds and thousands of them there. This trip, we were privileged to not just look at that part of the wall. We were able to walk down through this tunnel, which wasn't open the last time I was there. And you go all the way down along that western wall from where they're at, all the way under the ground, all the way to the north end of the Temple Mount, which would have been the Antonio Fortress, where Jesus would have been judged. And you come up out there. But as you're walking down under the ground, you're walking along the very foundation of the wall of the Temple Mount that Herod built. You're touching the stones that Herod's men laid. You're walking on the street that Herod put down that no doubt Jesus Christ walked on and the disciples and so many others. The thing that touched my heart is as we were walking along, we came to a certain place. We're walking closer and closer and closer to the end. And all of a sudden, our guide, who was a Jewish rabbi, he stopped and he turned and he said, Now... I have to tell you that right now you might want to pray right here. And he said, because this is the spot 
right here that is the closest to where the Holy of Holies would have been above us. And I looked around and there was Jews. We're down under the ground, in a cave under the ground. They had chairs spread around. There was some in chairs, some touching the wall. There was all kinds. They come all the way down there just to pray. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, people are praying. And the thought comes to my mind, why are Christians so lax in prayer? I was so convicted about myself as I thought about that. Why do I pray so little? Why do we? Why is it that things like midweek prayer meetings in in American churches are the poorest attended services? Why is that? I don't understand. What possible excuse can we give for our prayerlessness in light of things like that? Paul mentioned two different things here that we ought to pray for in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He said we ought to pray for the spread of the gospel. And he said we ought to pray for protection. The spread of the gospel in Israel, just like in America, religion is everywhere, but most of them are lost. There's all kinds of religion, but most lost and dying and going to hell. Looking from Mount Scopus, which is where, what's your name? I forgot your name, Connie. Where Connie was just talking about, looking from Mount Scopus down across Jerusalem, I was reminded of Jesus standing in a similar site and looking and says he wept over Jerusalem. Because they were lost. They were lost. And so Paul says we ought to pray pray for the spread of the gospel and pray for people to be saved. He also says we ought to pray for protection. He says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Every Wednesday evening in our prayer meetings, Beth asks that prayer request. She always asks for protection. And I confess to you that sometimes I think, are you going to ask that again? Every, Every week he asks that same prayer request. And yet, here it is. Paul asking for protection. You cannot imagine the roads in Israel. They're smooth. They're beautifully maintained. Better than ours, most places that we went. But it is such an incredibly mountainous terrain that they are straight up and down at switchback turns everywhere you go. On one particular day, I think our last day, we were headed for the town of Hebron. And we were in a beautiful bus. Nice, air-conditioned, beautiful bus. The best bus driver I've ever seen in my life. And we're, we're just lugging our way up this horrendous, mountainous road. And he's going around curves. Until we get to this one place. One place where all of a sudden he was trying to negotiate this turn. Which I don't think I could have put my Yaris around. And he was trying to put his bus around that thing. And the bus started to spin. And we started to smell the smell of burning rubber. And then he would stop and he would start to drift backwards. I mean, we were on a mountain... Women started to whimper. None of the men, of course, but some of the women started to whimper. And our guide proceeded to tell us a joke. He might have told us a joke at a different time, but he referred to it here at the same time. But he said, uh, there was a, a, a guide and a bus driver who both died and went to heaven. And he said, when they got there, the guide tried to get into heaven and he was rebuffed at the door. And the bus driver was welcomed right in. And the guide was aghast and he said, you know, to the, to the Lord, what? What? I spent all that time, I studied and I prepared and I taught people about you and I took them places. Why is he getting in and I'm not? And God said, well, when you were talking, they were looking out the windows. When he was doing what he's supposed to do, people were praying. And let me tell you something, as that bus was sliding backwards down that mountain, toward a cliff that looked like it must be at least a mile straight down, there was a lot of praying going on on that bus. And they were praying for protection, which is something that Paul says here. We ought to do. 
Very shortly after I got back, I read this, this story about Mohammed Morsi. And I don't, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing his name right. I don't know what the real story is here or anything. I just read this story, and maybe it's, maybe it's been superseded now. I don't know. But let me just share with you what I read. It said, Mohammed Morsi, newly elected president of Egypt, as declared by the Muslim Brotherhood, made some fascinating statements in a speech. Here's what he said, quote, Our capital shall not be Cairo, Mecca, or Medina. Medina. It shall be Jerusalem, Allah willing. Our cry shall be millions of martyrs march toward Jerusalem. Banish the sleep from the eyes of all Jews. Come on, you lovers of martyrdom. You are all Hamas. I say from this podium, from Al-Mahala, from the heart of the Delta, from the heart of Egypt, so that the whole world may hear, we say it loud and clear, yes, Jerusalem is our goal. We shall pray in Jerusalem, or else we shall die as martyrs on its threshold. Millions of martyrs march toward Jerusalem, unquote. Pray for protection. Pray for protection, Paul said. We need to pray. And I wonder, how is it that those who are worshiping false gods, Pray more than we do. How is it possible? How is it possible? Jonathan Edwards said prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is of life. The Bible says seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. It says watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Jesus spoke a parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He said hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. And of course, of course, Paul said, pray without ceasing. And so one of the thoughts that comes to my mind as I think back on our trip is about prayer. The prominence of prayer. The promise of prayer. The power of prayer. And sadly, the paucity of prayer in my own life. And so we need to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. The second thought that comes to my mind and that I see here in Second Thessalonians is... That we need to trust in God's faithfulness. Trust in God's faithfulness. Verse number three says, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. We ought to underline the first part of that verse in our Bibles. The Lord is faithful. We ought to repeat it to ourselves over and over and over again. The Lord is faithful. Paul was supremely confident in God's faithfulness. And the Bible is filled with illustrations and reminders of the faithfulness of God. And as you walk over the places that are described therein, you are reminded even more of how faithful God is. God was faithful when he delivered Israel through the Red Sea and defeated the Egyptians. You'd think they'd remember that, but they're going to try again, apparently, and have the same exact result because God is faithful. God was faithful when he delivered Elijah on Mount Carmel. We had the privilege to stand there. We looked at a statue of, Mount, of, of Elijah. And again, we looked out over the whole valley below and were reminded of how God was faithful in defeating the prophets of Baal right there. God was faithful even in Samson's last stand against the Philistines. Our guide was a Palestinian by the name of Sam. The best guide we've ever had. Brilliant man. Knew more Bible than anybody I think I've ever met. He was, uh, he was just really good. And one time, I don't remember what he was talking about. Somehow he made mention of the Philistines and don't remember where we were or what we were talking about, but I just caught one sentence that he said, and he's talking about the Philistines, and he just said this. He said, of course, they're not here anymore. And I thought, exactly! And that's the case with anybody who stands against God. They're not going to be there because God is faithful. We talked about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. 
who thought that everything was over and everything was hopeless, but they learned that God was faithful. And so there's a principle that comes out of the pages of the Bible. It was abundantly illustrated to us as we wandered around the streets and the, and the towns of Israel. And that is, no matter how long it seems to take, no matter how bleak the outlook might be to us, God is faithful and will always be faithful. I mentioned that I had the privilege to preach in Bethlehem last Sunday. Uh, just a little devotional, nothing, nothing real long, but uh, I, I was supposed to just give a devotional on Bethlehem. And of course, I talked about the various things that uh, Bethlehem is important for and, and what, we, what we remember about Bethlehem. Uh, not the least of which, of course, is the fact that our Lord was born there. We, we all toured the, the uh, Church of the Nativity, which is the historic, traditional site where Jesus uh, was born. I don't know if that's where he was born or not, but that's the traditional site. But as I was talking about Bethlehem, I, I, was, I felt led to go to a di- completely different passage than you would normally think. And it was in 2 Kings chapter 23. I've mentioned this passage before, but let me just read this to you again. Because this happened in Bethlehem. 2 Kings chapter 23. This is not right. I have a wrong reference, and now I'm not going to remember where it is. Hold on, let me think about this a minute. Because you have to hear this. I think it's 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 13. I love this story. And it really came to my mind because the fellow who was leading the tour was Dr. Whitfield, Dr. Charles Whitfield, who was one of my professors in school. And he's the one who first told me this. I remember him talking about this, so I stole it from him and preached it right back at him right there in Bethlehem. But verse 13, three of the, of the 30 chief men went down at the harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Now, you got the picture, right? The Philistines are holding Bethlehem. David says, man, I really wish I could get a drink of that water from my favorite well there in Bethlehem. And so his three, three of his mighty men, three men, go tearing over there, bash their way through the Philistine army, get a glass of water for David, and come bringing it back to him. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is, not, is this not the blood of the man who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. And so they have bashed their way through these men. They're standing there holding this, but no doubt proudly, holding this glass of water that they've brought back to David. Blood and sweat all over him, no doubt. Having just battled their way. And they hand it to David and he goes, and pours it out on the ground. Could you imagine what they must have thought? And the point that Dr. Whitfield made long ago and that I just reiterated again was that no matter how it looks, we can trust God. Because God is faithful. If God chooses to take our best, our efforts, our work, our struggles, anything about us, and seemingly pour it out on the ground, we can trust Him. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. 
Deuteronomy chapter 7 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Psalm 36, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. So another thing I learned and I thought about as I walked around the streets of Jerusalem was, God is faithful. We can trust God. One last thought. One last thought. Again, we see it here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And that is that we need to learn the love and patience of God. See that in verse number 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Two areas of our life mentioned there. Love and patience. We need to learn to love like God loves On our last day in Jerusalem, we had some free time in the morning. My brother and sister-in-law had gone with us, and she wanted to buy a skirt. And so we had some free time, so my brother and I accompanied her, and we walked back into the old city of Jerusalem to haggle with the Arabs for a skirt. And she was in shopping, and my brother and I were standing in the street. And while we were standing in the street, we were speaking with a young man whose name was Bashir, his young Palestinian kid. Maybe Josh's age. Maybe a little older than Josh. Uh, Just a nice kid. And as we talked to him and laughed, and we found out he was just like the rest of us. We found out that he was an athlete, a a champion judo uh, performer, and performed around the world. And uh, we, we we just had a good time talking with this kid. And I was reminded, I was reminded that people are people everywhere around the world. No matter what we might hear on our news, no matter what politics might say to us about certain different types of people, are people everywhere. And the Lord loves them all. And they all need the Lord Jesus Christ. In contrast to that, on our way home, we were sitting in our 747 in Tel Aviv preparing to leave. That was an absolutely brutal day of travel. But as we were sitting there, I noticed these two... Twenty-something girls come walking down the aisle. People were still finding their seats. And they came walking down the aisle. And as they approached, they were, their seat was obviously two rows up from mine, catty corner across the aisle. And as they were approaching, they were looking at the person who was sitting, going to be sitting next to them. And both of them visibly, obnoxiously, showed their disgust about this particular person. And when they got to their seat, while they were constantly darting glances at this person, they just tossed their carry-ons in the seat next to them and immediately called for the flight attendant. They didn't try to stow their bags or anything. They just immediately called for the flight attendant. And I couldn't hear every word that they said, but plainly what they were saying was, we want another seat. We're not sitting here. We want another seat. Well, of course, the plane was absolutely packed. I mean, I think there was people in the overhead vents. There was people everywhere. And so the flight attendant went off. They immediately began on their cell phones to try to book another flight. They're already on the plane, and they're trying to book another flight. And I'm thinking, come on. Come on. I don't understand. But anyway, pretty soon the flight attendant came back, and she said to them, you're going to have to take your seat. And I did hear this very clearly. I heard the one woman say, I can't take off sitting next to that. And I'm looking at the back of the head of this person, who was across the aisle, by the way. It's not like they were actually touching him. They were across the aisle from each other. I'm looking at the back of the head of this woman who's sitting there. I'm thinking, she looks perfectly normal to me. And the fact is, if she was as ugly as seven miles of muddy road, she would not have been as ugly as those two wicked women were right then. And yet I thought to myself, are we ever like that? Are we ever like that? The song says, 
I'm so glad to be part of the family of God. Yesterday I was mowing my lawn, which was three feet high. And as I was mowing my lawn, I was listening through my headphones to Alistair Begg, to one of his messages, and he was talking about that song. We sing it from time to time here. But he said, you know, sometimes, I'm just going to paraphrase what he said. He said, sometimes we're real happy to be part of this little family, but we don't really want to be part of the family of God. Do we love the whole family of God? Do we love the Bashirs? Do we love the people sitting across the aisle from us who maybe for some reason we don't want to sit next to? Do we love them all? Because Jesus did. The fact is he loved and died for all people, people everywhere. The little kid's song says red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. He didn't just die for Americans. He died for Israelis and Palestinians and Egyptians. He died for those in Vietnam. He loves them all. Argentina and the Ivory Coast. Fill in the blank. He loves them all. Thanks be to God that he does not love as some of us love, or the gospel would have never got past the shores of Galilee. But it did. We need to learn to love as Jesus loves. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he loves. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, because that's how he loves. Love ye therefore the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So we need to love. Well, I'm out of time, so I'm going to stop. I was going to talk about we need to learn the patience of Christ, but I'll leave that one for you as well. A little different message this morning. My mind is going every which way today. I'm not sure this has made any sense, but hopefully... Hopefully, as I think about some of these things, you'll be encouraged to think about how we need to pray more, how we need to trust more, and how we need to learn more of how he loves and to love like him.